Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations, a free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legend Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. This guy, he's that once-in-a-lifetime talent. He wasn't the fastest, the fittest, the strongest, but the best. Yeah, that's what he was. A footballing talent so superior, his mere presence could change the scoreboard. Smart, cunning, rat-cunning and dominant. They call him the King. Ironically, it was a moniker thrown insultingly his way by rival Ray Price. He's been called a whole lot worse across the journey. But who is Wally Lewis? Uh, he's a, a boy that was uh, born um, into a working-class suburb, mm. uh, which meant that uh, I was quite naturally going to play the working man's game uh, of rugby league, uh, born to um, wonderful parents that gave me the opportunity to, uh, to play rugby league uh, and gave me every bit of support uh, along the way. Um, Dad used to coach me uh, in the backyard every afternoon after coming work home from work. I used to ask him to teach me how do I do this when it's a kick from the left foot. What's the best thing to do? How can I do it? Um, so he spent uh, enormous hours uh, teach me that. And my mum, um, she had uh, s- uh, seven brothers, I think, and they were all rugby league players. So yeah. they gave her a chance. Um, I got that uh, and went on with it. If I was taught a good thing from my parents, is make the most of the opportunities that are in front of you. Don't waste them. Um, and I regard myself having gone on to uh, to reach some wonderful honours in the game. Mm. Um, of those, uh, the best of all, uh, representing your country, the best place in the world. Um, that I'll be a very happy man the day I die. I know that. What are your first memories of footy, mate? Is it watching footy? Is it playing footy? Or is it in the backyard? Learning footy. It's uh, being taught in the backyard. Yeah. My dad always used to teach me, and he said, um, you know, the most important thing is to be able to tackle um, with your left shoulder uh, if you're a right-hander. Yeah. So uh, he used to do that, and he said, when you pass a ball, be able to pass it from left to right better than you can right-left because you're your being weak right-handed. Side. Yep, yeah. your weak side. And uh, I, I didn't do that. That was the one thing that 
I sort of uh, fell about um, on a number of occasions and I used to turn and pass with my right side and Dad never forgave me for that. Um, wow. it, uh, it did work on a number of occasions but uh, uh, he used to say that um, you, you never stop uh, giving yourself a target of what you want to achieve until you've perfected every possible thing there is to in the game. Um, but the re- most important thing for him um, was the defence and he insisted that um, you spend twice as much time doing tackling practice as you do with the other uh, skills from the game. 1977, I guess, is where this journey starts publicly. Mm. You made the Australian schoolboys rugby union side that toured Europe and Japan, an amazing side with an amazing group of young players, including Michael O'Connor, Tony Melrose, all three Ella Block brothers, Mark, Glenn and Gary. Mm-hmm. Fair lineup, and that's just a few of them. Yeah, I remember the coach always – he still says it now that it was the toughest selection uh, process that he, he ever had to go through. Um, you know, he said uh, we had a, a team that was uh, was was quite remarkable. Uh, Dominic Vaughan uh, was a guy yeah. that played for New South Wales and Australia. Uh, Michael Egan uh, yep. played for New South Wales, and I think he might have had a game for Australia. They were the two halfbacks, the two five eights, with the tour captain Tony Melrose mm. and a bloke by the name of Mark Eller. Um, I was one of the inside centres uh, with Michael Hawker, who was a future Wallabies captain. Yep. The two outside centres were Michael O'Connor. Uh, and uh, Gary Ella, um, who both played for Australia. Um, um, We had Peter McPherson, who was the Australian beach sprint champion, had the biggest thighs that I've ever seen on a footballer. Um, He was one of the wingers. They shifted Michael O'Connor out uh, to be the other winger, and they had Glenn Eller at fullback. Um, Up front, uh, they had... um, uh, Chris Roach, Tony Darcy, a bunch of other um, future Wallabies. So mm. we had a fairly handy side uh, that were allowed to enjoy uh, football and and be able to throw it round and play some open, entertaining, attacking football. Uh, and I can honestly say that was the tour I enjoyed more than any other in in my lifetime um, because we, uh, once again, we, we learned just as much about life as we did about yeah. football. To put this into context, this was at a time, 1977, the Australian Rugby Union was basically on its knees. Financially, they were screwed. They actually couldn't afford to host any test matches. Mm. Senior footy had come to a standstill. Then these schoolboys appeared playing a new brand of footy called running rugby. Mm. You breathed life into the game and many say started a style of footy that would eventuate and culminate with the 1984 Grand Slam, perhaps the greatest Wallaby achievement ever. Yeah, yeah, and there are a number of players that went on uh, Mm. to be part of that tour. Um, And it was. uh, Rugby was – I used to go to a few of the games but did not find it uh, to be the most entertaining game um, because there was just too much of a grind between the forwards. Um, Suddenly – Running rugby started, yeah. and and everybody started to take part in it. And mm. um, I used to go and watch a few of the rugby games. Uh, again, I was only um, sort of turned away from it. I felt that I owed my dad something to stick with rugby league. Yep. Uh, and when we played, were to play an exhibition game at Ballymore, mm. um, when I was not allowed to go on the turfs, when the line came out, um, uh, that uh, league player shall not stain the turfs of Ballymore. That's um, right. Yeah, that was when you got back the following year from 77, wasn't it? Yeah. It was they basically to, said it's either us or them. It was uh, early in the 1978 series. Um, I'd made the decision. I felt that I owed it to my parents mm. to play rugby league. 
Um, but they came up with this game that we were going to be playing before a, I think it was before a, um, a Reds versus Waratahs game, a Queensland v New South Wales game. And uh, it was the, the schoolboys that they'd heard so much about uh, playing this running mm. rugby. And I still remember being in the dressing sheds, getting ready. To, I put the gear on um, and some some of the people came about. And anyway, cut a long story short, um, I, I wasn't to play in that game. I because was a, you're a rugby I, league I was a guy. rugby league player, yeah. Uh, and wow. a lot of the uh, um, a lot of the bosses, certainly the tour management, um, said uh, we'll stick up for you. Um, mm. And I kind of knew that that was it. Uh, my time was finished. I'd I'd decided to play for Valleys, uh, and had not accepted any financial payment mm. because. I thought that there may be a game on such as this yeah. that would allow me to play one more time, an exhibition game with my friends. Um, that was the beginning of the end. Uh, instantly, I actually told them, uh, yeah, said some silly things and then went jumped in the car after the game and drove over to Valleys and said, um, you know how I was pulling out of this game, I'm not pulling out anymore, give me the contract, I'll sign it now. When you say Valleys, you're speaking of uh, Fortitude Valley, 1978. Yep. Uh, the Brisbane Rugby League competition, your dad Jimmy was the coach and this was also when the first interest from Sydney came. Who was the first club that came knocking for your services? Andy, I used to get uh, or questions or read reports in the newspaper about um, uh, having um, – Another offer from Sydney. Lewis has received another mm. offer. Uh, and I used to say to my mates, I haven't received one. When the hell am I ever going to get one? Uh, this was through the first uh, uh, 12 months in, in 1978 into 1979. Yeah. Said I still haven't got one, but I used to read all the time that I'm getting these offers. And uh, finally, one come through. It was from uh, a guy. It didn't come from North Sydney. Uh, not from the club or any officials from North Sydney. It came from a guy uh, who was a previous coach um, of the Northern Suburbs Club here in Brisbane that used to coach against me when my dad was coaching under-18s. He said, "Wow, um, I think I've got an offer for you. He said, sit down. Um, you're going to have to sit down and wait till you hear how much it's for. I thought, wow, what is it? And he said, $7,000. And I went, Whoa, seven grand. Wow, I'm going to be the richest bloke ever. I, was, I think I was going to be promised about three and a bit if I played a full season of first grade in Brisbane. Yeah. Seven grand, you beauty. Um, I went to my dad to tell him about it and he said, you're not going to North Sydney. And I said, well, I've got this money though, you know, I can't afford it. He said, you're not going. No, you need another year to teach you how to play here in Brisbane and if you're going to go, you're going to go to a good club. I thought, well, Paul McCabe actually was one of the players that went to North Sydney that year. Um, So I thought, well, I I can play there with uh, with Paul. I can, you know, maybe have a couple of other guys there. Um, But I was um, pretty keen to to listen to what my dad had to say. Mm, Um, He'd been wonderful guidance um, on the on the way through, and um, I trusted every Mm. uh, every call that he made, and it turned out to be quite beneficial for me. Hello legends, I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Would you like to be part of our team? Our sponsorship packages are ready to go. From scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings and more, the opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You set the terms. Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week and we cater to businesses both big and small. 
We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, how you want, and when you want. If you're interested, go to our website and hit the sponsorship tab at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Now back to the interview. It's a time where not every Queensland kid would have dreamt of playing in the Sydney competition because, if we're being honest, the Brisbane competition was probably where your dreams and aspirations were. Sydney, yeah, that's cool, but it wasn't the be-all and end-all. No, well, everybody used to regard it as the best competition in the world, the Mm. best rugby league competition. Was it where I wanted to get? Well, I probably wanted to, to go as far as I could to uh, to further my career and play at the highest level. Did that mean playing in Sydney? Well, not really, but uh, everybody used to suggest to me that uh, once you go and play down there, um, you'll come up with the, uh, with the idea that that is the best place to be. I watched Paul McCabe, um, couldn't take my eyes off him. Mm making a judgment on uh, on his turn. Um, he seemed to go very well and there were, uh, you know, some of the other names and when I started to play alongside them in the Queensland side and these were the guys that were, you know, all born around the same time, I started to think, well, maybe I would make it down there. Um, let's, uh, let's try and see. Dad was always sort of saying, look, just take it easy. Don't rush into making mm. decisions like this. Um, and he was probably of the opinion that uh, I had to perfect my game again. And he kept using those those, those same couple of words, mm. uh, perfect your game. Uh, and Get it right up here before yep, you. I was, I was quite willing to, to take his judgment yeah. on and whether, he, yeah, whether he thought that I could make it. Um, but uh, as soon as uh, Origin started in 1980, I thought I had the best of both worlds. Yeah, uh, really. I was still in Brisbane. I was able to be picked in this team, um, and uh, pretty soon uh, the dominance uh, was uh, was about to start. Seventy eight, seventy nine. Is this when you first bumped into Mal Meninga? What are your first recollections of the big bloke? First recollections of Mel Meninga were playing against him in 1977. It was the uh, the Valleys under-18 team playing the Police Academy under-18 team. My dad was the coach of the Valleys under-18. Wayne Bennett was the coach of the Police under-18 wow. team. There was um, <clears throat> Mel Meninga. I, we'd played against the Police Academy a couple of times. I'd missed one of the games uh, because I was away on a rugby union tour. Yep. Uh, couldn't play. Um, we came up against uh, uh, the police in the grand final and – the blokes were saying, this guy here hasn't been here before, this this big centre. He was a bit of a raw-boned kid. Yeah. He wasn't there, and the first time he got the ball, he nearly ran through the lot of us. <laughs> um, and uh, it came to the you know to the fore that, who is he? Haven't seen him play. Um, we ended up beating them in the grand final. I think it was something like 1918 or 1817, wow. something like that. We just got home, yeah. um, and it was, uh, um, you know, one of the – uh, introductions to uh, to the big time, I think pressure football. Uh, I think that mm. we uh, um, we had to learn a lot about. But I did uh, remember talking to Dad. I got pretty well concussed in that game, but I so I was asking him some uh, some questions, and mm. he just kept saying, oh, "Well, look, they you know they were they were good all round." He said, "But that one big kid out there, the big raw bone kid," he mm. kept calling him. He said, um, "Geez, he can run." He what can- made him so special? Um. Not just in 1977, but all the way through. Is, yep. there, is there something in his mindset or his character beyond his athletic talent that made him so special? Yeah, he had a, a will to win. I, I think he probably – I tried to um, 
to challenge Mel to run more with the ball, um, yeah. to to run through the opposition defence. I told him, you know, so many times that, um, you know, you got my confidence. I know you can do it. Mm. Don't let yourself, don't let your teammates down. And that usually inspired him. As soon as you, you, you throw that at somebody, don't let your teammates yeah. down. You have that, again, that fear of failure for the 100th time. Um, it comes into your play and, uh, and inspires those to produce better for performances. Um, but uh, it was quite obvious that uh, he had a, a remarkable skill of being able to switch, which I tried to, to get a lot of the players to use, of switching hands with the ball. So mm. useful he was with his fend. He was able to use it both sides. Um, and to, to have him part uh, of a team that I was playing for uh, was, uh, was quite remarkable. The elite guys in any sport, like yourself, fear of failure. Is that a motivator, a genuine motivator? Yeah, and you know that uh, you've, you've probably reached a, a certain level um, and as, as much as we like to try and play it down, we're all the worst of losers. We really okay. are. We hate losing, yep. absolutely despise losing and um, we get a bit shitty with it and, and are able to, uh, you know, to, to probably react um, not in the proper way, shape mm. or form, uh, after a game. But, um, you know, again, uh, my dad used to say it's what you learn from a loss uh, that will, you know, prove to be your, your biggest benefit. Um, and uh, it was something that I think that, um, you know, we, 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 were, we were the best of friends. We had enormous respect for each other's mm. ability on the football field. Uh, and we were, uh, I think, out to, to try and achieve something of which uh, we never thought that, we were any chance at all when we were young men. Yeah. Um, a lot of those guys, uh, they developed into into outstanding performers mm. um, that had uh, enormous respect and uh, and trust in the players that they were playing alongside. And uh, to be able to produce that at the toughest and the highest level yeah. um, when you're playing against the best there is from New South Wales or internationally, um, you know, uh, you feel pretty good about what you've uh, been able to achieve. Um, and uh, and the targets that uh, that you've uh, that you've set them, set yourself previously. Your first maroon jersey, state of residence or interstate rugby league, nineteen seventy nine. It wasn't until nineteen eighty that state of origin, as it is, was born. Mm. How big a difference to you were the two state of residence to state of origin? Absolutely. Played my first game for Queensland uh, at. Um, Leichhardt Oval, Belvane's yeah. home ground. I played halfback. I was selected as a halfback despite playing lock forward for my mm. for my club side. Uh, I got picked at halfback, and I think there was successive Queensland teams that picked a lock forward at halfback. And, and apologies, I'm trying to um, Trevor Dunaman might have been the okay. other player. Apologies if I'm uh, if I'm wrong there. Um, uh, but uh, got the chance to play. It was at Leichhardt Oval, uh, basically, because they said um, no one bothers to watch Queensland play down here. Um, they'll end up with such a small crowd it wouldn't even pay the light bill. And uh, that was uh, an insult that made a lot of us grind our teeth. I bet. Uh, but that game in which we were we were beaten, we were beaten comfortably. Um, I think uh, the talks for State of Origin that had been in motion for, for quite a number mm. of years suddenly um, – had more weight added to them, and uh, it, it was, uh, yep, 
it's time to bring it in if the interstate series mm. is uh, is decided after two games next year. And unfortunately, uh, that was the case. Um, we did perform a little bit better than we had in previous years, but uh, there was a, a little bit of a changing of the guard. Tuesday the 8th of July, 1980. I don't want to make you feel old, old mm. fella, but that's, that's 41, 41 years, years ago. 41 Origin 1, years. what stands out? Uh, Arthur Beetson um, must have attracted uh, enormous attention. I often um, point to a, a picture uh, where we started off on our first training session. The first night we got together, we had a drink, we spoke about uh, what it was like and, and again, uh, I remember all of the guys that uh, that were the youngsters, we were hanging around Arch, uh, you know, just to hear him talk and he'll yeah. have him tell some stories and he was asking us to sort of let us know a little bit about ourselves and, you know, what pleased us, what were our, our strengths, our weaknesses, uh, all that sort of thing. Um, but to, uh, you know, to be able to uh, go into a game uh, with him and and be in his in his company uh, was uh, was something quite extraordinary. Mm. And uh, it's uh, it's a moment that, um, you know, I, I do remember that first training session, that one photo uh, that we had where uh, everyone was hanging around Arch and when, uh, you know, you, you could be involved in a conversation if Arthur spoke, Everyone went quiet. Uh, so that was the uh, the enormous level of uh, of respect we all had for him. John McDonald, Cracker McDonald yeah. was uh, was the coach, and uh, everybody seems to forget that. Um, but he basically came out with a plan where he said, "Was I let Arthur run the show?" Um, you know, I, I I sort of said a lot of important things, yep. uh, and he said, and Beetson was uh, was respectful, and he said, uh, "Yeah, we'll follow that all the way through." Um, and uh, and Cracker, um, you know, he was. Uh, a very very highly respected uh, person here in Queensland. Of yeah. course, he represented Australia and was one of the fastest players ever on a rugby mm. league field. Um, and um, I was with him in uh, Toowoomba a number of months ago. Um, we were still talking about that time uh, in 1980 and wow. uh, and what it meant for both of us. It was uh, it was the beginning of uh, of rugby league in Queensland for uh, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but what it was the beginning of was uh, uh, the greatest form of, uh, of rivalry that, uh, that existed in rugby league and the greatest standard of play that needed to be displayed by a side to win a match over their, uh, their interstate rivals. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations. A free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. Arthur Beetson, when you hear the name, does one memory or one moment immediately come to mind? Something you recall of Arthur more fondly than others? Yeah, and it'll probably be, su- be surprising to some that would say, what about that pass? Which pass was it that uh, that uh, that brought you, um, you know, uh, to the fore? I said, um, it wasn't that. 
he grabbed me. The team was picked um, for the Origin game in 1981. Arthur came up and played yeah. here in Brisbane. Um, and I remember he, uh, he pulled me aside uh, after the team was named uh, and he said, mate, I'm going to pull out. I said, you can't pull out. If you pull out, we'll lose. And he said, you don't need that, that attitude. He said, um, I'm going to pull out. He said, mate, I'm too old. I've slowed down. I'm not really fit. He said, I'm not handling the ball all that well. I'm making too many mistakes. And he came up with 30 or 40 reasons why. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, okay. So have you told everyone else? And he said, no, just you. And I said, what? Why me? And he said, because you're going to be the captain. And I went quiet, you know, and I remember swallowing a half a dozen times. And me? I said, well, what do I, I'm 21. You're a 21-year-old kid, yeah. 21. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah. And he said, um, I've got the greatest confidence in you. He said, you read, play well. Uh, and he went on. He gave me a few raps and uh, continued on. I said, but but what about Rod Morris and Johnny Lang? They played for Australia for a number of years. These guys here. And he said, I'll follow you. And he said, and that's what I want you to do, lead the way. Um, I've made that judgment on you. And he said, no, no, I'm not wrong. He said, lead the way. He said, the troops will follow we played that game in 81 and I think, um, you know, we were doing it a little bit tough uh, to start the mm. game and things ended up working out the, the, the right way and uh, when we won that game, I, I went into the shed and he said, uh, do you believe in yourself now? And I smiled at him and I said, um, well, I said, it's going to be fun working with you. They say the best coaches are the best man managers. They know what to say, yeah. when to say, to extract the best out of a an individual. Is that what Arthur did to you? Yeah, he did. Uh, he knew what he had to say. Um, he inspired me instantly, um, mm. but he also sort of said uh, the best possible thing that he he, he, uh, he could have said to me was about you've got to run the ball. And if there's one thing that I think um, used to haunt me a little bit uh, and I didn't feel comfortable with, particularly in the games that we lost, I used to immediately go home, watch the video of the game and try and work out how many times I ran the ball. How many times did you run with the ball? You did thought you that was your weakness. I should have done it more. Okay. So I probably thought being in a playmaking position, I've got to tip it out. Have a look who i got outside him here. Yeah. i got Mel Meninga, Chris Close, Gene Miles came onto the scene, Kerry yep. Bostead. Wow, look at those blokes. Terrific footballers. Mm. Colin Scott was there and Brad Backer, who was one of the fastest players. Why the hell, you know? Just tip the ball on. Uh, Beetson used to say that wasn't what it was all about. He said that you go out there, he said, when you run the ball, you create a situation. Um, he said you'll have doubt in the mind of the defenders and that term yep. come back in again. And I used to feature, uh, feel myself that that feature of my play was what I had to do, particularly in the, uh, in, in the tough times of the game, be able to go out there and make the opposition feel uncomfortable with doubt in their minds. A few weeks prior to that game, you made your Australian debut. It was July 4, 1981 at the SCG against France. The honour of representing your country for the first time, I would imagine, is huge. What stands out from that experience at the SCG? The only Queenslander. I felt a little bit lonely prior to the game. Um, I had a number of the players come up to me and wish me all the best. Frank Stanton came over and said, uh, well, mate... um, uh, you know, do your best. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, but he's, I, I knew what he meant. He was being very positive, but, uh, you know, I was probably trying to mark it down as, uh, as, as something of, uh, of, of lesser note. Yeah. Um, the game started um, and I can remember one of the first plays of the game um, where we, uh, we scored our first try. Um, the ball went out the back line. I had a look out, outside me. I thought, have a look at this. 
Steve Rogers, Mick Cronin, <laughs> oh, Kerry Bostead, you know, uh, boy, oh, boy. And there's sheer class outside yeah. there. So I tipped the ball on and uh, they ended up making a break, came back in and there was a couple of passes linked up and I got the ball about 10 or 15 metres out from the line and I just remember sort of turning my head and as I turned it after catching that I saw – a player that I thought was about to knock me over. So I turned and tipped the ball on to Steve Mortimer, who scored. Turvey started crying. He said, Wally, Wally, that was your try. You could have scored. You could have scored in your first test under the post. And I thought, no, no, there was a bloke there. I ended up went and watched the replay of the game. There was no one within 20 metres of me. <laughs> and I said to Turvey, if you, if you were there and I had the choice of making the decision again, there's no way in the world I want to no. give you the ball. I want to score in my first test. And I remember Frank Stanton said to me, that was, that was very nice of you to do that. And yeah. I thought I, I could tell him the, uh, you know, the truth and say, oh, You were no. jumping at shadows. No. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't have done it. Time all over again. Because State of Origin was new, because it was so fierce and tribal, there's stories about divides in kangaroo camps between Maroons and Blues. True or false? Did that State of origin tension affect you guys off the field? It might have done, you know, at a one or two blokes on one or two occasions, but mm. I used to find that most of the time, um, you know, the the relationship between Queensland and New South Wales mm. was fantastic. Um, I loved my time, um, certainly in the in the years when I had Steve Roach. Yep. Um, you know, I used to love having a beer with Block. Uh, we used to tell stories uh, all night long. Um, every now and then there was a bit of truth attached to some of them, <laughs> not always. But, um, you know, the, uh, the the guys that we had, and, and there were some, some difficult times, and, and, and I, I, I don't mean to, to bring his name up, um, you know, I'll be pointing the finger, but there was one sort of era uh, when Terry Fernley was coach yeah. of the Australian side in 85 and, and everybody quite unfairly said it was it was Fernley that created the uh, the disruption or yep. the, the discomfort the, the divide, yeah. in the team. Um, uh, it was, uh, you know, the year that New South Wales beat Queensland for the first time yep. and I think that a lot of the Queenslanders, we would have blamed for it because we, mm. we had that rejection process in operation and, you know, you know, we've been winning all these other years. Let's not make them feel like they've achieved too much too mm. soon. Uh, so that was a bit difficult but uh, most of the time um, once you play together it's almost impossible um, to, uh, to dislike them. You respect them. Yeah. Every time that you do come up against them in in future matches, but uh, certainly in matches of the importance of of test games, you bond together and band as a, uh, a as a very happy outfit that uh, have uh, utmost respect for each other. The nineteen eighty two Kangaroo Tour, the Invincibles. Frank Stanton was the coach. Max Krilich, the tour captain. Six different combinations of half five eighth were used, rotating yourself. Peter Sterling, Brett Kenny, Steve Mortimer and Mark Murray. In the three tests against Great Britain, the Sterling-Kenny combination was selected. You play off the bench in the second and third test. Being as competitive as you are, did that light a flame? Yeah, it did. I was the vice-captain of the tour. Yeah. Um, everyone thought, well, that should guarantee him selection. Um, I wasn't uh, in the team um, and I quite unfairly um, – uh, probably blew up. Um, one of those, uh, oh, the, the naming of the side for the first test, but that was probably as painful as. 
Yep. Um, and I I do remember going out and getting on the on the turps that night and making a mess of myself. Came back in for uh, for game two, which I believe was played at Wigan. Um, and we were doing it a little bit tough in that game, um, and mm. I got to uh, to go on um, with uh, with an injury. Eric Growth, uh, I think it was, that was forced from the, from the field. Oh, my memory's going okay here. Um, and Mel Meninga was pushed out to the to wing. The wing, that's exactly. Uh, I came into five eighth, and Brett Kenny Brett, moved into the centre. Brett centers. Kenny moved out. Yeah, and um, anyway, I ended up um, running with the ball and spotting mm. this. Uh, um, bit of a of an opening out wide, and Mel was there, and he knew probably just as much as about my my long pass. Yep, um, having played against it a couple of times, quite a few times for to, for South, and in, alongside me in the Queensland team, mm. and I threw the ball. Uh, Mel scored. He got up, and we were both over the moon. I remember walking down the sideline, and I could hear this Wally, Wally. And it was Frank Stanton calling my name, and I thought, I want to tell him to shove this. <laughs> And uh, I sort of just looked over and uh, he just nodded his head and I thought, yeah, thanks, Frank, that's a big nod. Yeah. That makes me feel much better. Uh, I went back and uh, a lot of the blokes uh, said at the end of the game, uh, it was all of the more experienced players that uh, they gave me a, a pat on the back. Mm. Um, you know, Rogers was uh, was extraordinary to play with and thought, wow, you know, here's, here's them and he's given me a pat on the back and he mm. said, you know, you did good. He said, yeah. You look to be able to throw those passes, he said, mate. Utilise, be able to use that game whenever you want to. Mm. Don't play somebody else's game, play your own game. Um, use your own skills, don't impersonate anybody. He said, that's the biggest problem you can have. He said, I've done it, I've tried to impersonate the blokes that were before me. He said, wow. play your own game. And I learned a, a pretty big lesson that day. It was a, a, a pretty good moment for me. Um, I didn't um, move Brett from from 5'8 for, for the next game. Mm. Again, uh, I started um, on the bench and mm. it was uh, a, a pretty comfortable performance. Uh, we won and I, I went okay in that game and eventually got my position back in the starting side for uh, for the first test against France. Um, right. But things didn't go um, the way that, uh, uh, that I wanted and I ended up dislocating my shoulder, um, mm. ended up staying around for the rest of the tour for the next uh, couple of weeks. It was uh, an opportunity to... Uh, Socialise? <laughs> Socialise with the boys in, in France, getting on the, uh, on the sponsor's product yeah, as at you every do. occasion. So it was, a, it was a big night out, but um, those next couple of weeks I enjoyed sitting back watching and thought, well, you've been taught a couple of lessons here on this mm. tour. Uh, what not to do? Um, what you should be doing at every opportunity, but um, the most important one again to return to is what not to do. Uh, and that was the game that I played in when I dislocated my shoulder. It wasn't the right, um, um, it wasn't the right way I should have been uh, involving myself in that game. We hope you're enjoying this special anniversary edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend Series with the King Wally Lewis. The cool part of this podcast, all of our interviews are timeless. So if you missed an episode or interview when it was first released, no problems. It won't date, it won't go anywhere, and it will make sense and be ready to go for when you're ready to listen. We boast the biggest interview library in the game. The biggest names, they're right here and they're unfiltered. Next week, an amazing legend series interview with another one of the game's finest, certainly a guy that created plenty of headlines. 
and returning after a week's suspension, The Weekly Wodge, where on any one episode you can hear up to a dozen of the game's current and former superstars all in the one podcast. It's the best short-form potty on the market. Before you head back into the real world, we'd love a five-star rating and review on whatever app you're listening on. It's good for business as we look to expand the brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon, legends.